This is the Dealer News Today podcast, the podcast for automotive executives and the professionals who support them. Hey, and welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Dealer News Today, coming to you from the DNT headquarters. Now, I hope you enjoyed our last episode with Ernie Bach Jr. It was a fun one for sure. So if you haven't listen to it yet go back give it a listen as well as all our other past episodes of dnt you can give a listen to a lot of really great information and guests in those make sure you follow dealer news today on instagram at dealer news today i'm your host derek d now you can throw a, a dot com on the end of that and boom you can learn all about me if you like and follow all my social media and all that stuff but today we have an awesome guest that we're going to learn about he is the director, president, and CEO of Cars, Inc. Now, you may be like, Cars, Inc.? Well, if you ever heard of a little website, and by little, I mean huge, called Cars.com, yep, that's him. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Alex Vetter to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Appreciate you coming on. So, Alex, let me ask you, what's your day look like today? Like, what's an average day for Alex Vetter look like? Well, uh, let's see. Uh, today is uh, a Tuesday. I've already been through a full iPhone battery once, so I'm recharging right now. <laughs> Don't we all have that problem? And then after this, I'm, I'm headed to the airport, and I'll be flying to, to Denver for dinner tonight, and then investor days all day tomorrow in Denver. All right, solid day. Well, you're talking to me, Derek D, on DNT right now, and then later on, hopping on a flight, heading to Heading to the Rockies out in Denver for some business. Nice. <laughs> Always travel. I was in New York last week, uh, Denver this week, and I think I'm in Wisconsin next week. So always seem to be moving about. Look at that life of a CEO. So you're and you're you're based in Chicago, right? Is that where you're originally from? I am. That's where the company was both born, well, born, reared, and raised, and we're and we're still obviously growing. So we've been here for a long time. Yeah, I mean, when, when was when was uh, Cars.com founded? I remember hearing about it, you know, when I was younger. Well, we 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 bought the domain name in 1997, which at the time was was. Uh, you know, a different different state of the internet back then. <laughs> sure was. AOL, AOL was the internet, and uh, we bought the name Cars.com in 97. <laughs> wow, 1997. A smart move to get it uh, that early. Yeah, definitely AOL was king back then, for sure. So were you, and, and I think I read this somewhere or something, I don't know, but were you involved with startups a lot along the way, or were you always into just the car and automotive business aspect of it? No, well, look, I, I'm... Uh, uh, I've been involved with technology from almost all my youth and even my, my first few jobs out of school were, were centered in technology. I was originally a programmer. I was writing code. It was raw HTML at the time. And, and a lot of the, the language deviations hadn't even been thought of yet. But uh, um, I was building websites personally, and, and I just got more involved in the business side of it. And I realized that the language itself was growing at such a fast rate let alone the pace of innovation in the business, you kind of had to pick a path uh, where you're going to double down and spend eight to 10 hours a day, you know, banging away at a keyboard, trying to make pages work, or were you going to try to uh, explore the business side and, and, and bring businesses into technology. And I, I really like bringing others into the tech. Um, and so I really made a, I think a, an important choice, which was to really, you know, be more involved in the business development side of it, which got me involved in a lot of deals and investments. And and uh, I was very fortunate just to be in the right place at the right time with cars. Interesting. So it wasn't necessarily uh, 
cars right off the bat for you. It was, you were a coder, you were, you know, you decided like, Hey, I don't want to just be typing away at a keyboard all day. And it was helping, you know, multiple businesses. And then that led up to cars.com, correct? Or, or cars Inc. That's right. We, I was building, I was selling websites. I was building websites for other businesses, uh, you know, building those websites, launching them for a fee. Um, and then moving on to the next gig and, and, and then also investing in other businesses. So investing in some um, sports internet businesses and, and, and various, you know, investments that, 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 you know, some have hit, some have not, but, but cars has been the, the best, right? It's been the, the most fun. It's had the most challenge and opportunity and, and the business continues to, to show it's, it's amazing, you know, place in, in the industry. It, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it really, you know, you kind of brought so much experience from all these other businesses you worked on with the technology and coding and making websites and all that stuff. And then you moved on to cars.com. Now, were you on the ground floor of cars.com or did you come I, in later? No, no, absolutely. I actually had a job with uh, Yahoo. I was going to go work for Yahoo in California in 97. I attended some meetings with the, the people that were running media companies at the time and, and got involved, you know, with some people that wanted to start a classifieds business in Chicago. I love Chicago, didn't want to leave. So I thought, well, why go to California? Let's start a new new company here. So, you know, I was first on the payroll and and uh, went out and bought the domain name cars.com. I want to say four months after oh. we started. Oh, you actually you 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 actually bought the domain name. It was Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. There was a Corvette owner who owned it. He had a picture of a, a singular <laughs> Corvette on his lawn. Oh. No way. And and it was a, a orangish red Corvette. Uh, a replica of that Corvette, by the way, is mounted on the uh, entryway of our corporate offices. So if you walk into our offices here in Chicago, you'll see a giant illustration of, of that orange Corvette on the front lawn of a, a single owner's um, <laughs> lawn. And it, it's to remind like, kind of like, you know, things can start small, good ideas happen everywhere. And, and to embrace the smallest of ideas, because now we've got over, you know, 4 million vehicles on our website on any given day. But it all started with 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 one car. Wow, that's a you know like Drake said, started from the bottom. Now we're here. Right. Uh, but that that's 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 interesting. So a guy, you hear these stories all the time, like someone owning a domain, and then a company coming, hey, I'll buy that from you. It's, it was a guy just had a picture of his Corvette, and then you're like, hey, buddy, uh, can we buy that from you? And then you basically bought the domain from him. I'm assuming, right? Well, it's important to get deals done before you brag about them because I exactly I, I remember <laughs> offering him five thousand dollars and getting verbal, and then telling the the principals who were writing the checks, right? You know, the the media companies whose money we were spending that that I had convinced them to sell it to us for five thousand bucks. The very next day. I got a call back from from his attorney. And oh, knew, here we go. I, I knew right then. I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> and we ended up settling about I think two weeks later at uh, seventy thousand dollars, which was wow. a lot, a lot in 1997. It really right? is, yeah, for sure. Um, because there were so many domain names that were available for fifteen dollars, so to spend seventy. But I, you know, we we felt that the the shopping experience was going to be a vertical market that vertical marketplaces were going to win. They were going to be the authorities uh, online. And, and that if you didn't build the authority, uh, your brand, you know, you, you would be fighting with, with thousands of, of destinations. And, it, yeah. you know, we made the, the right decision at the time and, and bought the name that still today generates more organic traffic 
than any other website in in the category and and I think stands for you know the marketplace. Oh, absolutely. I mean, cars.com, extremely strong website. Everyone knows like everyone everyone knows that website. You, you know the logo in your head. You know, it's like a purple oval, right? Yeah. Like or something. Yep. Yeah. You just you just know that. Um so wow, that that's an interesting cool story. I like hearing those like little inside stories cuz you hear so many of those. I mean, I knew someone's older brother years ago and in like the late 90s he bought a bunch of don't he bought like or like mid 90s i don't know he bought books.com he bought all these kinds of things and he basically retired on selling domains later on in life it was amazing um but yeah so anyway were you always into cars or uh were you, or were you no. always a car guy or you kind of became no the, the candid little dirty secret is i don't people ask me all the time about cars and i always just refer them to the website because our <laughs> editors and our experts they're the real, you know, heart and soul of the business. They know more about the cars. They drive them. They they critique them. They talk about the pros and cons, and they're free to write whatever they want. So they're the experts. Uh, I more focus on technology and and business model evolution, and and uh, I leave the the curation of the cars to to the pros. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you have like a favorite car that you love to drive or anything like that? I, I just recently sold my my longtime ride. I had a 2001 BMW that I held on to for nearly, uh, got wow. out of a 15, 15, 18 years, somewhere in there. So that was your daily driver. I sold it for $1,000 as a trade-in. <laughs> nice. What do you got now, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, my wife and I, we, we have a, the, the Lincoln SUV, oh. which is, uh, or she likes to, when we went shopping for it, she called it the Matthew McConaughey car. Yeah. Is that the, the aviator or the, uh, navigator? Uh, aviator. Nice. Very nice car. Wow. It's good. I like to, I like to hear those, those backstories. I like that you drove a 2001 BMW for 15 years. Uh, you know, German cars, they are reliable, but, um, so, you know, dealers are seeing the highest profits in a long time. That's no Everyone knows that in the industry for sure. Is there anything you think they need to be aware of or, or careful of like going forward, either at in-person dealerships or for online buyers? I don't know about being careful. I mean, I think, look, we, you know, our business, we sit, everybody's focused on the retail evolution, how retail is evolving and moving towards digital. And candidly, you know, we talk about our business a lot. We, we sit in the pre-tail category, right? Where people go prior to retail. Right. And so I see all the activities of people before they begin the buying process. And, and that's why so many dealers, even digital dealers, plug into our system is that, you know, we're we're harvesting, you know, nearly 30 million people every month that are beginning their research. They're beginning to compare makes and models, and they're even starting to toggle between dealer selection. So, you know, I think there's many things that are changing in the retail space. But there's a lot of durability in in research and 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 prior to purchase behavior, um, that pre-tail category where the bulk of our business sits. Mm. You know, I think the, the other thing I would say is that what I'm most pleased about, um, and I really hate to give credit to to COVID, but and the pandemic really shocked the industry into yeah. much faster towards digital strategies, and so. You know, we build websites for dealers all over the country. We've got over 5,000 dealerships that were powering their first party website. And so we can sit back and look at the behaviors on our marketplace and, and how people cross shop brands and stores. And then we watch exactly what happens when they convert into a dealership's ecosystem 
where the website is very focused on conversion and, and, and helping convert the, the shopper to a sale. And so we've got a, a bird's eye view to the whole market and, mm. and a lot's changing, but, but candidly, a lot's staying the same. Yeah. You know, I, I've, to your point, I've said this a bunch of times on the show, you know, because of COVID and the pandemic, you know, a big negative negative kind of turned into a positive for dealerships and deal. And I, I think in the beginning people didn't realize like what would, would happen with the car industry. Everything was sh- shutting down. They were like, what's going to happen. But it really just went boom, you know? And, uh, I think a, a lot of people, you know, obviously went to their computers to go through that process of buying a car, searching for cars. I mean, people would searching for cars beforehand, of course, but it almost like expedited that whole thing where dealerships had to be like, okay, we really need to streamline the process of if someone wants to buy a car, they could basically do it online. They just come here to pick it up. Yeah. I mean, I think, look, I think, uh, not only can they come pick it up, but they can deliver it. I mean, deliver. We, yeah, yeah, exactly. We, we, we saw over 8,000 local dealers step up during the pandemic um, and offer home delivery through our platform. And so consumers were searching for which dealers will bring the car to me. And the fact that almost half our dealer base in a matter of months, not only enabled that technology, but, but began to change their, you know, showroom, versus driveway mentality, I think, you know, just shows how entrepreneurial dealers are. They're, they're, they're the most resilient creatures and they just know how to operate their way out of anything. Yeah. Yeah. No, they definitely did during this whole, this craziness that we've been dealing with. And, you know, I wanted to ask you, and I think for some people listening, they might not know. So I'm just asking the question, cars.com doesn't necessarily have a lot of them, like an inv- like a lot with a bunch of cars on it. Like, there's not inventory that Cars.com has, right? Or is there? No, we're we're we uh, you know, we're a platform, so we've right. got okay. 20, yeah, that, twenty thousand dealers that are plugging their inventory into our platform. You know, some and and so consumers can search the market wide view, and and we're seeing this behavior even accelerate during the pandemic because inventories, as you know, are are really lean right now. Well, that's what I was going to say: is the lack of inventory affecting, you know, your cars.com or? You know. No, it's actually you know I think it's really showing the power of our platform because we're seeing a couple things. Number one. You know, we're telling dealerships they need to cut back on advertising and marketing. There is no reason for dealerships in this high demand, low supply environment to be spending yeah. a ton of money. Um, instead, they need to be plugging into these technologies that actually do the heavy lifting, the matchmaking for them. I mean, the beauty of our platform is we only market the very cars that they have in stock. And so, you know, we're, we're actually matching buyers and sellers. And what, you know, even with this current inventory shortage, we're seeing consumers are widening their search radius. What used to be an average, you know, of 30 to 40 miles, you now see for certain makes and models, consumers saying, I want to search, you know, 300 miles. I want to know who's got this car that's in, in short supply anywhere in the country. Yeah. I think manufacturers would be smart to realize this, right? I mean, we've worked in such a push marketing model where everybody's just screaming their their claim to fame or their um, brand message. And to be con- candid, we do a lot of research and consumers, a lot of it falls on deaf ears. Um, but yet when you're, when you engage in a, in a website like cars.com where all there is to do is focus on what to buy and where to buy it and how much to pay for it, 
and and like what options come with it like the, the consumer is in the moment they are deciding all of these critical factors right now right here right. in real time and i think dealers have learned that they don't need to spend as much as they used to they can show what cars they've got in their lot and only get contacted uh, you know from people that are interested in those vehicles that they've got and that's a much more efficient business to run and that's part of the reason i think we're seeing record profitability across the industry yeah absolutely i mean but do you think this is going to last i mean it's so good right now for the manufacturers and the dealerships and the automotive industry as a whole and all that stuff because of the inventory shortage and the low supply and the high demand but this can't last right i mean it's almost too good do you think it'll kind of go back to pre-pandemic with the supply and demand factor? Well, look, I think there's parts of the, the market and the business for, for all participants that, that players enjoy. Um, I certainly know the manufacturers love the fact that they're not spending the billions of dollars they typically have to spend in, in incentives. Right. Uh, yeah. We've talked about think, that a lot on the show. I think the fact that dealers are having to spend less in, in marketing and advertising, um, you know, is, is fueling their profits. I think inevitably there's going to, it's a competitive market, right? And so I do think you're going to see certain OEMs go hard at the market and push and take market share. And it will really be interesting to watch. Will other car companies sit back and, 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 uh, or will they, will they step into that fight? And so, you know, I think um, the best thing about this market is it's, it's got so much innovation happening in, in it. Yeah. Um, but the challenge is, you know, it's a hyper competitive industry. And so when one player steps forward and really pushes on volume, it's hard for other players to sit back and watch. And that creates both a high production mentality and a high, uh, you know, volume based mentality um, that, that, you know, drives the industry. I think that said, I mean, I dream of a day when car companies are, are taking my data in real time and seeing consumer preference for colors, trims, options hmm. on a geo basis. And that data is informing production um, because we could take pre-orders. I looked at what Ford did on the Bronco. I know they generated a ton of traffic and a ton of eyeballs, you know, around the Bronco. And it's yeah, sort for of sure. We have more people looking at cars.com than, than they were queuing directly to their own uh, platform, right? We had people not only looking at the Bronco, but also looking at other makes and models. And, and we think that intelligence has to inform uh, production cycles because you're seeing uh, demand prior to purchase. And, 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 and so if you can optimize production towards demand, I think that's where the industry's got to do a better job. And I think you're seeing it with the dealers today. The dealers are relying much more on technology to be efficient I think the car companies have got to follow suit. Yeah, for sure. And we also have this chip shortage we're dealing with that's affecting everything. And cars like, you know, the new C8 Corvette and certain Ford models, you just can't get them. So people are selling them for way over MSRP, you know, talking about the Corvette, because you just can't get your hands on them. Yeah, no, well, nobody could have predicted this this second crisis on the heels of a pandemic. Yeah. And, but it's, it's not unique to auto, right? Every industry is being impacted. Oh, yeah here and, and uh computers everything anything that has, yeah that's right i want to get the new macbook pro and it's like they've been delaying that forever um do you think that the industry maybe failed and like things have been going so well i think for the auto industry during the pandemic you know which is like i said we took a positive out of a negative but is there anywhere the industry was like oh we should have seen that 
and we could have capitalized on that, but we didn't. Like anywhere it failed, or is one of those rare instances where kind of handled everything thrown at them pretty well. You know, first of all, I think the auto industry, you know, led the country through the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, if you think about, there aren't many industries that mobilized the way we did on a local and national basis. I mean, the fact that you had car companies stepping up to to lead ventilator creation. Yeah, that's right. It's um, true. It was inspiring just to see how Ford and other car companies like literally led the charge to to help uh, the, you know hospitals and 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 staff the crisis. But then I also think dealers, right? Dealers helped first responders. You know, they were doing everything to um, they could to, to put their their physical lots to work to help communities and like. I was inspired by how well the auto industry, I think, led better than any other industry, in my opinion. Yeah, it is true. I mean, I, I hear stories we've heard on the podcast of many, uh, you know, people that own multiple dealerships or own, a, you know, a conglomerate of dealerships or whatever, just made sure they took care of their employees and their employees' families. And it's, it's actually pretty inspiring, all that stuff. Well, you look, I think, I think dealerships, you know, all did amazing things in their communities. I talked to our employees a lot about this, is that you know, there aren't many technology companies that are known for helping the little guy. And most technology companies, their stories about, you know, destroying or disrupting a segment of the market and, and rolling it up into their into their coffers. And I think, you know, we've always been a business that's been about enabling uh, local retail, not only to survive, but to thrive using our tech. And, and I think it's a noble cause because, you know, when industries get consolidated and, and are, are big and fat, they don't do a whole lot back in the communities that they're from. And, and what I love about this auto industry is just how much dealers do locally, not only to employ workers and, and uh, um, give back to their communities, but like they, they are the, the heart and soul of, of um, so much in every local market. And, and I like the fact that the industry is fragmented and um, there's so many colorful characters that are doing different things locally. And so it really is our ethos to help the local business run. And I think, it, you know, hopefully we'll be successful and it'll be that way for, for decades to come. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, speaking of uh, charity and philanthropy and things like that, I know you and Cars Inc. and Cars.com is involved with charitable organizations. Uh, could you tell me a little bit about that? Because I know you guys uh, give back as well. Well, look, I, I first will say I'm humbled because I think dealerships do more here as a collective and, and individually than, than we do. But we're trying to follow suit. You know, we've got a, uh, a number of efforts that we've backed, industry efforts, right? So like NAMAD, uh, we, we're a really big believer in we got to help support uh, the NAMAD organization, National Association of Minority Auto Dealers, and do more giving back there um, to, to bring up representation in our industry. I think we've done a ton with uh, women in leadership and girls who code, really tech-focused um, development of future leaders that we think will run the enterprise someday. And then obviously on a more broad basis, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of, of an organization called TAPS, um, uh, which provides assistance for families who've been impacted through service. Um, the tragedy, correct. The tragedy assistance program for survivors is what TAP stands for. It's a phenomenal organization. Um, you know, I encourage people to look at taps.org and, and understand how they can get back to servicemen and women who've 
who've you know given either the ultimate sacrifice and 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 lost a loved one, but but ultimately you know have given back in profound ways. Yeah, those are some great organizations that uh, that you mentioned there, and I appreciate you doing that. You know, it's always it's always good to hear when uh, big companies like that are are giving back and helping people, especially when it comes to uh, our uh, men and women in the armed services. So I thank you for that for sure. No, listen, we're, do, we're trying to do our part. We're certainly committed to doing a lot more. And, and uh, I think the auto industry does a phenomenal job on this front. We, we, uh, it seems to be in our DNA. Well, it's good DNA to have. Uh, let me ask you this before we get going. What is the most um, important thing you think you've learned, maybe even personally and professionally during you know, this pandemic craziness? Look, I think the resiliency of, of, of uh, people, businesses, yeah. and like that's hard not to get past. I've just been in awe of just how resilient um, people have been. I, I think about all the the parents that have been raising kids and working from home and or dealing with you know ten times as much as they used to, and you add <laughs> in fears. Like we've just become much more resilient as a society, and and uh, you know time's going to tell how this is going to change us. But but I'm in awe of just all the stories of perseverance and and um, you know our will to to get through to the other side. I mean you know I like to think that we're making our way through this COVID you know period. I know there's still some some clouds, but there is some light. And and I just think. We're going to look back on this past couple of years as being probably the most surreal <laughs> time in, in, you know, at least my modern lifetime. And and, and uh, I think that the acts of heroism and what people have done during this is, is legend. Yeah. Hell yeah. Just legendary stuff. I agree. You know, so many amazing, inspiring stories that have come out of this. And it unfortunately doesn't get covered enough because the good stuff doesn't get near as much publicity and clicks as the negative stuff in the headlines and the clickbait and all that nonsense. It's unfortunate how many people fixate on the negative news and don't focus on all the good coming out of this. But I guess that doesn't get ratings on certain news channels. But, you know, anyway, we covered we covered a lot. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we get going? Hey, listen, Doug, I just really appreciate you and all you guys are doing to to connect with various leaders across the industry and and uh, just appreciate you. Thank you for giving us the time. Oh, absolutely. I will say it's our pleasure as well. Alex Vetter, ladies and gentlemen, I do appreciate those kind words from Alex and, you know, for him coming on the show. We love doing it. And a lot of people in the industry really enjoy hearing about this stuff and need to hear about what we talk about from prominent people in the industry. And that, of course, includes... Alex Vetter for sure, the director, president, and CEO of Cars, Inc. Make sure you head over to cars.com and check that out. Also, follow Dealer News Today on Instagram, at Dealer News Today. I am your host, Derek D. You can get all my stuff at DerekD.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. Until next time, this is Dealer News Today. Bye, folks.